Good morning. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Well, as you know, leadership is about leadership, but it's about culture. It's about how can an individual improve themselves through self-development. And today, ladies and gentlemen, you are in for a real treat because not only do we have one, but we have two poets on the line with us today. Let me introduce Mr. Rex Wilder and Ms. Jessica Hornick. Rex and Jessica, welcome to the program. Thank you, Darrell. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Likewise, Darrell. And so what's interesting is that I met the two of you at the uh, American Library Association midwinter meeting in Seattle, and I was fortunate enough to be at the Chatwin Books uh, booth where you two were there, and we had a lovely chat, and I learned something very interesting about about the two of you. But before we dive into that, if we can uh, tell our audience a little bit about your, your, yourself and, and where you're from, because right now we're in three different places, which is very cool. So Jessica, ladies first, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I, uh, I live in upstate New York, uh, north of Albany, and uh, I studied English in college and uh, have made my living for many years as a freelance editor. But the focus of my life has always been poetry. I identify myself as a poet above anything else. And I had a lot of successes placing my poems in magazines over the years, but had no success uh, publishing my book until last year. Um, and this is through the generosity of my friend Rex on the other line, who uh, called the publisher of Chatwin Books' attention to my work. Uh, that's Phil Bevis of Chatwin Books. And um, lo and behold, I now finally have a book. And I am very pleased and grateful that this has finally come about. I like to say I am the living proof of better late than never and also never give up. I think that's perfect. I think my greatest accomplishment before I begin talking about myself as a poet, which I also would like to do, but I think was bringing Jessica's poetry and Jessica's person to the attention of Chatwin Books. And I also had a book coming out called Open Late with Chatwin Books. And we immediately, I don't know who thought of it, was it? Jess was the chat twins, your that's, idea or mine? That's you. That's of you. course, incorrigible punster. But I think, I think we're talking with Jess's poetry that it's, I believe it's probably the best poetry being written today in English. I can't read any other languages, so I won't say that. And so I think that's my greatest accomplishment. So my background is as a photographer and a creative director in advertising. I started my career, actually, I've been writing my whole life, but I started my career as a Playboy photography uh, photographer, which people seem to be very interested in, more than poetry or advertising. And then I, I've been writing poetry all along, and also, like Jessica, placing in nice magazines, but I needed something to do 
to make a living. And so I went into advertising. I think I said early on that poetry is the advertising of the marketplace. And, and or was it advertising as poetry in the marketplace? I think it works both ways. I think the latter, yeah. <laughs> One of them. And, but the point is, I would write slogans and they would feel very much like the leading, uh, the leading line in a, in a poem. So that's my story. I've written three, uh, three books out and uh, a fourth that might be on the way. And so how did this, you, 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 both of you have described your relationship as a literary poet's partnership. How did you guys meet? So um, <clears throat> we were very fortunate to find each other uh, when we were young. Uh, we met on the steps of the Poets and Writers Building in New York City. We had been participants in a poetry workshop and there was a true magnetism. Uh, I call it friends at first sight. Mm -hmm. And we just knew that we were poetic soulmates. And uh, that meeting was fateful. And then um, the next thing I remember is uh, Rex was giving a poetry reading in New York and invited me. And um, I think our friendship was cemented on a visit to the, gosh, I can't remember the name of it. There was a poetry festival in New Jersey. Uh, we rented a car and drove out there and spent the day immersed in poetry and nature and- Geraldine Dodge, I Geraldine think. Dodge Poetry Festival. Yeah. And, and I was gonna say immersed in each other's sense of humor and sensibility. And um, that's over 30 years ago. And we have, read every line that the other has written. We are a mutual admiration society, but we are also each other's harshest and most honest critics. And I feel incredibly fortunate that Rex has been my reader for my whole adult life. I wouldn't be here without him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust what I'd written without his having read it first. And um, we just, we feel the same way and it's, it's it's been quite remarkable. It's so, it's so incredibly lucky that this friendship happened because Jessica has this in her real life. I don't, but she has her husband that she shares, you know, where they, they share that unique bond. But we know instantly when something's wrong, when something is right <laughs> in the other's poetry, not in our own. And it makes, it makes both of us feel, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Jess, but I, I feel a sense of panic if we ever didn't have each other. I always say that you would break up with me if, uh, if I was replaceable, so. Well, but you're not replaceable. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, partnerships are tough and you're giving each other advice on each other's work. Jessica, what are the best practices as to how do you give this advice in the most constructive, positive way? Well, that's, a, that's an excellent question. And I, I would have to tell you that um, when Rex and I were younger, I think we were uh, honest to the point of being harsh. And we expected that of each other because we didn't, we, we needed to know the truth because we hold ourselves to an incredibly high standard. We want every poem to be the best that it can possibly be. And, but I think as we've gotten older, we've mellowed and we know how to give each other criticism without 
the harshness. And, and there are times when we have, uh, we've said, I'm gonna read you or send you a new poem. And I want you to be honest with me because I always do, but, but tread carefully here because I feel vulnerable or tender about this particular poem. And we've learned over the years to take care of each other uh, while never uh, straying from honesty. Right. I think we have definitely matured, but sometimes it's good to cut to the chase and we'll both ask each other, is this even a poem? Right. And then, and we don't know, I, I might send Jessica three poems and I would have no idea. I have no idea if, if someone asked me whether it was strong or weak. And very often we should probably tell the story of our two favorite words. One is early on, we discovered the word execrable which is just a great, it's almost like an onomatopoeia. When a poem is bad enough, we will say, this is execrable. And it's a fun word to say out loud. And when, and when it's execrable, that means don't waste your time, put this one away, move on. Right, right, when it's truly bad, when one of us would make fun of it if we read it somewhere, but, but neither of us knows it. Then, which I think is very important for our, and I don't know if many poets have this, I used to spend a lot of time, I still do, in Hawaii, where my father and stepmother lived. And I used to love this fish called the Moorish idol. And I would tell Jessica about it, and she's never heard of a Moorish idol. And there was a poem with the Moorish idol in it. And she came up with a, a name that sounds like an old Jewish man from, from the old country, Morris Idols. And that's uh, E-I-D-E-L-S. And it became the name for when we work on poems together. Like she, I will say, I can't do this. I, can't, I don't even know how to come up with the last line. And I'll tell Jess, Morris it. And she will Morris it. That's why our poetry is indistinguishable in some ways, in some well, ways. But that's not true. The, the poetry, our styles and our voices are oh, completely, completely different. different. Completely yeah. different. When I say indistinguishable, I sort of mean the authorship because very often, Jess, when I see something brilliant and say, you wrote that one, didn't you? And right. <laughs> I didn't know I was that smart. But, I, but it's, it's, it's an interesting thing because I, I think it's important to stress that I don't think anybody would mistake a Wilder poem for a Hornick poem or vice versa. But we've, we know each other's voices, so we know how to fix each other's bad lines to the point where no one else would know, but, but and, and, and we ourselves, like you just said, will say, did I write that? <laughs> yeah. And so what is your hope or your goal or objective for the reader of your poems? What is it that you're hoping that your poetry will do for the reader? Well, can I take that first, Rex? Sure, and then I'll say ditto. So I... I really have thought about this a lot since my book came out and has gotten into the hands of actual readers. And what I have found most gratifying is when someone says to me, you say what I feel, or I've always thought about that, but I never know how to put that in words. Or, you know, I, I don't know what I'm feeling and you help me understand what I'm feeling. If I can reach somebody on that human level, then my work is done. And I, 
I, I think both Rex and I work on a high literary plane, but we want anyone, not just an expert or a highly literary person, to be able to pick up our book, open it up, read a poem, and get something from it. Ditto. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're done. <laughs> one, of the, one of the reasons I read and love Jessica's poetry is exactly for what she says. It is astounding how my my emotions, what, what's your, you came up with a couple words to describe my lifelong look, right? What is it? A lifelong look in your eyes of stunned resignation. Yeah, I never had any idea that it was, it was true. People are always asking me if I'm lost, things like that. And mm -hmm. to hear that is very much what I love in Jessica's poetry. You've never, if you take a walk in the fall with beautiful leaves, which I love, and then you read a Hornick poem, you know, that was it. That's what I felt. Because it doesn't describe it to say, oh, it was colors, it was like fire. But you read Jessica's poem and you feel it. You feel that, that autumn walk. And now we know. Um, it, it might be a good time, Rex, for you to read one of uh, Jessica's poems. Sure, oh, sure. Are we, are we reading our own or each other's, Rex? Well, we're, I'm reading yours now because we're talking about your poetry. Is that okay? Sure. <laughs> Jessica, Jessica, we'll, we'll uh, allow you to read one of uh, okay. Rex's poems. All right. <laughs> I'm going to read one that was very well, it was, it was very public, it was in the Atlantic, and I talked to Jessica, and I really actually mean it, I, I get jealous because she's so good. So this one's called The Invisible Woman, and I think oh, a lot has happened. You're reading The Invisible Woman? Can't I? Yeah. Which one should I read? Why don't you read Gratitude? <laughs> okay. We're, we really have a yes dear kind of relationship. Okay, where's gratitude? What page? It's page uh, 87. All right. All right, this poem's called Gratitude. And I remember when I was, when I read this for the first time, I just was knocked down. Whatever Emily Dickinson used to say, the top of your head is blown off or something. Gratitude. Learn to be grateful for armchairs where you fit like a nut in its shell. Consider that plum blossoms happen twice, once in the vase, once as shadow. And these double windows and quadruple doors all have been constructed to slow the passage of air, feet, time. You come through in the morning and by afternoon, the day is something. A shadow's inches, a stanza, an emptied coffee cup. And things have their correspondences. Cezanne's boy always walks toward you like the future. The chair's foreheads gentle the clamor of unobserved cells in a room. As the face of your beloved answers for all of you. Between the eye and its sighted object, a chronicle of personality takes place. All you need to know about me is that I love the piled-on rectangles of a room, the window admitting the hill's diagonal, birches' white strokes on a green hand. 
nearsighted eyes arrange the page at a slant, which the heart interprets as stares. I just get slain every time I, I read that one. Wow. That was beautiful. That was a beautiful reading, too. Oh, thanks. It was beautiful. Thank you, Rick. <laughs> I was nervous that it was going to screw up your poem. <laughs> and Jessica, what are we going to read of uh, Rex's work? Well, I'm going to read a poem of Rex's called Valentino. Um, and I have to say, um, the thing that I love about Rex's work is a combination of deepest feelings and exhilaration of language. You will not find another poet who ha handles words the way Rex Wilder does. Mm -hmm. uh, I am going to mispronounce a Spanish uh, city name. Is it name. Cadiz? Is it Cadiz? Cadiz? Yeah. Okay. I will not do the list. <laughs> Against the Eden green and the densities of the avocados, high and impenetrable as planets. Against a blue like Cadiz, in the uninflected coast light and the light violet haze of their fellow June recruits. Jacaranda blooms lit on falling branches of air. One or two a minute, as if they were receiving diploma. Because the prevailing westerlies were quiet, it was no day for sailing. The blossoms fell as obediently as shadows or rain and formed a purple picture of the tree on the lawn. Bees with the coloring of tigers seen through train windows pawed the soft Victorian bells. I lay on the grass and the grass carried me as if my body were Cleopatra's. Beautiful reading, thank you. Wow. Beautiful, beautiful poem. Wow. You guys beautiful. are awesome, really. So, <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, these emotions that occur within me while I'm hearing this. Um, what is it your hope that the reader comes away with? Or is it that you, you just want them to understand how you feel at that moment? I, I think I'll take that one first because I didn't really describe what I was hoping for in my poetry before. I think as Jessica's gift is to, is to articulate what other people are feeling and then they get that that, that gratitude, that, oh my God, somebody said what I'm feeling. I can now read it to that somebody, or I can read it to myself. But I think what my joy is, even in language, with because I, I love playing with language. I'm a bad uh, dad joke maker in my day life. But I think I want to take someone to a new place. I want to travel out. I want to have new ideas. I want to create new worlds so that people can feel their own lives are enriched. The way that when you go through a museum, you go, oh my God. You just feel when you walk out that museum, you've been taken to all these different worlds and these different places that the, that the artist has, has been uh, painting about. So that's what I feel happens with me. And it, it, if it doesn't use emotion, if it doesn't touch the heart, it's useless. But I sometimes like just taking taking someone on a on a three hour tour, bringing them back. And so, what advice would you give to 
the the young writers who are in grade school in high school um, who want to pursue this craft this art of of poetry what advice would you give them well my advice would be um, keep a notebook with you and whenever words come into your head write them down without fear and uh, without criticism in your mind let it go let it roll but then face face the fact that you may write 20 pages and get no poem out of it and that's 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 part of the experience of writing as well when you have something that you think you've written that's good ask yourself does it pass the so what test yes if we always talk about that. We always talk about that, Rex and I. Ask yourself, I, I am, am I in love with this because I wrote it and it's about me? Or if I put this page in somebody's hands and they read it, will they get something from it? Will it mean something to them? And that, because that's, you're not writing for yourself. Right. I think we both agree with that completely. I think I've done, when I did a little teaching of my poetry to, third, fourth, fifth graders, I also realized that form can help and it gives us a, a sense of control in a, in a ever more chaotic world. And Jessica and I have both, I think we're the only practitioners so far of a form called the boomerang, which I originated and uh, like Petrarch and you, and you are the Shakespeare and you made better. It's called the boomerang. And I tell this to the kids at school it's a very short, it almost could be on one line, but it's four short lines that sort of emulate the, the path of a boomerang. And the first word has to rhyme with the last word. And that is wonderful. Kids love to write those. They love the feeling of accomplishment it gives. And it feels, it feels complete. It feels entire, like almost like an object. And I think that's something that I've seen kids enjoy it because they can do it, do it quickly, and it actually feels like a poem when they're out, when it's over. So you said the boomerang have, has four parts, and the first part is that the first word will rhyme with the last word. Um, I, I'm very curious what the other three parts are. <laughs> it, it's, not, it's not actually parts. It's actually just a four-line poem, the way of haiku is okay. five, seven, five, or seven, five, seven, whatever it is is a three-line poem, and um, Jessica's, Jessica's gonna find one of hers, but I have one. I am gonna find one. Okay, and I can give you an example, Drew. So here's a, a poem that was in the, in the New Republic, and we believe, we believe in concision, almost like the way you can make something small becomes more powerful, but when it was in the magazine, it was awfully small. So this one is called Found. Found, home from the beach, an argument we thought the surf had drowned. That's a whole poem. Wow. And, and I think both of us believe, and hers are amazing, so hopefully she'll read a couple now. <laughs> but what we love about them and what I think kids can understand, it's manageable. It's not scary. You see a four-page poem, you want, some people want to scream and run away. <laughs> If you have a short poem, you can almost you can almost manage it and look forward to it. 
so um, the, the great thing about the boomerangs, which um, again, Rex invented and uh, was, I consider a gift to me because I, I love writing in the form. Um, so Rex just read a boomerang. The, the first word is found and the last word is drowned. <laughs> I wrote a boomerang where the first word is drowned and the last word is found. <laughs> not, not riffing on Rex's, completely forgetting that he had used this rhyme already. So here's mine and you'll see how capacious this little tiny form is. Drowned in a pail of cold rain, the mouse was never among the lost, though now it's found. Wow. <laughs> I love so that. We, we've just had, and, and this is something that could only come out of the mind of Rex Wilder, this form, um, but I, I'm happy to be running with it. So I'm, I'm curious, uh, I, I, by chance I had the opportunity to meet you both. Um, do you ever go on uh, tours to read your, your, your poems? Well, Darrell, sorry, um, okay. you actually met us on our uh, inaugural Ah. Um, we have never had the opportunity to do that. Uh -huh. If you if you have li listeners who want to book us, we're a good act. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. And, and and to that point, how can my listeners find you? Uh, Facebook what? is probably the easiest. Okay, right how many as well? Yeah. Okay, so uh, just put in Jessica Evans on Facebook. Uh, Hornick, and, actually, Jessica. Oh, excuse Hornick. me, Hornick, Hornick, Hornick. Yeah. Sorry. And I K. And. Um, and I, I take it, uh, are you guys on Instagram as well? No. Okay. No. I am we're, somewhere. We're the old folks stuck on on Facebook. That's right. <laughs> I think you have to be 50 to go on now. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And so what's, what's going on the rest of 2019? Um, are you going to be speaking somewhere? Or are you going to be just working on your new manuscript? Uh, what, what's Chapman books, the, the gentleman there, he seems to be very dynamic and he had a number of great authors there. Um, what's, what's happening for 2019? Well, um, yes and yes to your questions. Um, I, I am uh, reading from my poems um, where I, in the area where I live at um, coffee shops and uh, bookstores and other venues like that, trying to get the word out. And um, uh, Phil Bevis of Chatwin Books has let me know that he's waiting for book number two, so I'm only too happy to oblige. He's not let me know that, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first and I I've, heard about it. I guess I, I, should, just, I should just leave this. this I'm part. working on it. I'm working on it. But the thing is, um, I am not a terribly prolific poet. Um, and... But getting the book published and, and getting it out there has given me a burst of writing energy. So, um, so that's, that's what's to come for me. All right. And my only reading ahead is a good one. It's at the LA Times Book Festival this year in April. So that will be very fun. I'm reading with a lot of excellent poets. And otherwise, I'm writing like, I'm writing like crazy. I have no idea what's happened because I hadn't written much in the previous three or four years. And I have a book length manuscript already, but as will happen, I've already given it once to Jessica, she will determine, because we determine ourselves. Well, I could have a book length, yeah. hmm? It, that, I mean, ditto. 
Yeah, I could hand her this book length and say, I have uh, Robert Lowell's Life Studies. It's going to change the world. And, and uh, Jessica might say, well, maybe so they won't read poetry again. So that's, that's I think, uh, one of our strengths. But I'm doing that and, and uh, hope to have a new book. And also, uh, Chatwin is planning to release a book of my photographs. And I'm working on putting them together for uh, Phil Bevis and Annie Bruet as well. That, that is awesome. And um, what is your, your, the subject that you photograph? Or is it very eclectic? I think, I think it's eclectic, but it's mostly around and, and with the feeling of the canals here in Venice where I live. So I have a lot of, I really investigate reflections. I don't know why it might have been a sign of the mental illness that I had, but I felt that reflections were more real than the actual reality. And so I write a lot of reflective poets, poems, and I write about the ocean, I write about palm trees, I write about the egrets, and the, her <clears throat> the herons and the coots and the cormorants that, that we have over in the canals. And um, so, so that's, that, that's something that I think distinguishes them. Well, that is really great. Believe it or not, um, we are at the close of our interview. And to, um, to put a, a nice cherry on top of it, um, is there a particular quote that either of you would like to share about your feelings about uh, poetry? Wow. Uh, <laughs> That's a tough one. Um, poetry makes nothing happen. Auden said that, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> and well, I don't agree. William Carlos Williams said, um, was it Auden or Williams? I thought Williams said, for poetry makes nothing happen, but, but men die every day for lack of the lack of it, right. All right. Yeah. Well, so, well, um, <laughs> so, sorry, go ahead. No, that's great. That's great. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Mr. Rex Wilder and Miss Jessica Hornick, who are two poets in partnership. And go to Chatwin Books. You can find their works there. Uh, a Door on the River uh, by Miss Hornick and Open Late uh, by Mr. Wilder. I want to thank you both for coming on the program. Thank, thank you, you very much, Jerome. It's been a pleasure. And we also talk at the same time, like uh, true partners. That's right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for this weekend on Leadership with Darrell Gunter on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Have a great weekend, but always remember, leadership begins with you.